What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. All right, all right. We are back with the Practice Good Podcast. I am Shiloh, and I am so excited about today's guest. Today's guest is not any guest. Today's guest is someone that has inspired this entire podcast. In fact, this guest is someone who has been behind the scenes the whole time, even though you may have not known it. Today's guest is William Kashima, my husband. Welcome to the show, babe. Yeah, it's really, really exciting to finally be here. <laughs> well, oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm just so pumped with what is going on and uh, to be here and to share. Um, it's just amazing. Well, that's awesome. We're so excited. Well, let's get right into it. I'm having you here because you have done so much in terms of social enterprise and you've done things here in the U.S., but you've also done a lot overseas internationally in Nigeria. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background, kind of maybe where you were born and raised and what you have going on internationally? Well, um, I was born and raised in Nigeria. Uh, I went to school in Nigeria, and right after school, uh, I became a missionary uh, in South Africa. So, traveled a lot, been to uh, so many countries around the world, and really saw humanity in a very special way, uh, connected to different people, different cultures, different nations, and ended up here in the United States as a pastor. So, uh, but always my heart has been um, with the with the poor and uh, helping people in needs and people on the privilege uh, because that is my experience. I grew up having nothing and now uh, my heart is just to give back. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like what types of ways have you been able to engage in giving back? Um, and I guess let's start with like, what are you currently doing now in Nigeria? So currently in Nigeria, um, I'm starting businesses and uh, creating jobs and sustainable income for people. Um, you know, I, I, I always struggle with the saying that, you know, people always said, um, uh, don't give people something, teach them how to fish. Uh, but I really, for me, uh, I just started wrestling with the idea that people know how to fish. Um, a lot of people in Nigeria, a lot of people in Africa, a lot of people in the developing world, a lot of people in need, they know how to fish. They just need somebody to come alongside them and provide the tools for them to go and fish. So what I'm doing is just providing tools to these people that actually know how to fish already. 
Wow, that is so powerful. I mean, we've heard that term so many times in development or volunteer work or, you know, any kind of missions where it's like, oh, don't give a man a fish, but teach him how to fish. And of course, there's organizations that do give fishes, right? There's those organizations that really when people are in extreme cases, when there's a hurricane or there's a tornado and there is no other resources or no way for you to earn your own way or learn how to do it, there is a season and a place and a time to give people something, right? It's when you're in desperate, dire need. But this idea of teaching someone to fish is also not fully the whole story because a lot of times you go into other countries. I mean, you know, I've been to like eight African countries. And for me, I walk in there and I act like, you know, because I've driven on a paved road, I know how to pave a road. But the reality is I'm just arrogant. Like, like people locally know how to make money better than I do. So talk to me a little bit about how you can impact the world or globally make change in a way of social impact that helps people to, well, maybe the better word is partners with people who already know how to fish, but just need some wraparound kind of services to help get it going. Yeah. And I like what you said, uh, partner. Partnership is what we do. And, uh, and you know, we've been talking about this for, for many years and, um, and we haven't launched anything until recently. So what we did in Nigeria is uh, we didn't just go and start something. You know, it took me a lot of, of, of visit in Nigeria to meet with people, talk to people, hear the needs. And, uh, and then all the businesses that we started was birthed out of conversation with people, right? What are the needs? And, um, and I think it came to a point where I remember uh, we talked about this so many times where you know, I, I have people, friends that I graduated from college with. We went to college together. I graduated. I uh, left Nigeria, became a full-time missionary and travel all over the world. And I talk to these people and up to now, a lot of them don't have jobs and, 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 you know, they're capable, they have experience, they're talented, they're gifted, but don't just have jobs. And uh, so when I started talking to them and listening to their needs and their passion and, and all of that, I'm like, okay, um, we don't have a lot of resources, but we have something that we can really help this, this young people start something in Nigeria. So we just went in and started creating businesses. We started a restaurant and we hired people. We started a car wash and we hired people. Our job, our goal, I mean, our goal is just to create jobs for people so that they can have sustainable income. But at the same time, we train them on how to manage their their resources, right? So we're saying, hey, we have a job for you. You can work, you can have income, you can send your children to school, but how do you save money so that you can also start your own business and also employ people? So it's this multiplication, right? You, you have a job, you work, you raise money, you save money, and you also start your job and you hire other people. So this just continue to grow and just continue to multiply. 
I love that because when we're talking about long-term sustainability, we are talking about this idea of replication or multiplication, like not just, you know, opening up another job, but um, empowering people to also create jobs and create um, income flow where it goes in and out to be able to increase the level of the economy locally, which is really, really powerful. So you guys have a restaurant there. You've hired about, was it 26, 27 people? Yeah, 26. 26. And then you've also recently started a steam car wash. Let's talk about this. Why is this unique? And what uh, really, how did you develop this idea? Because I know that, you know, just like any entrepreneur, I mean, entrepreneurs are really serial entrepreneurs. I don't know anybody that starts one business and they just get success the first time. And it's like, that's what they do for the rest of their life. Most people start 10, 12, 13, 14 businesses. You're testing things, you're trying things. And I know for us, we had a few of them before this. (laughs) We had another car wash in a couple of different places. So talk to me and talk to everybody listening just really about what is unique about your steam car wash and why is it so um, important? Right near, right now, in the local economy in Nigeria. Yeah, so uh, our steam car wash actually started with this idea of there was a problem, right? We 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 encountered a problem. We had a car wash before, and I remember uh, we watched somebody's car, and 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 uh, you know, there's just we always have problem with water. You know, there's the scarcity of water. So all these idea started, I started thinking about this, like, is there any way to do this business, but not really require a lot of water? And that is what actually got me thinking and also got me into researching and asking questions and, 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 and just doing a lot of research. And, and then I, I came across this uh, new technology of using steam for car wash. And I thought about it. I said, look, there's scarcity of water in Nigeria and where there's water, there's a lot of environmental issues, you know, health issues. You know, in Nigeria, you have malaria and malaria is because of water, you know, contaminated water all over uh, the, 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 the city. So we, I, I thought about it. I say, look, if I'm starting a business, I don't want to start a business that also create health issue. You know, so when we came across this idea that we can actually have a car wash they uses just a little quantity of water so you can wash the entire car with just a cup of water you know so i was really excited about this idea that we can actually have a business that generate income for people but at the same time teach them the the health benefit of this of this uh of this business so we're just excited that um that we have we have this new technology that is not creating another health issue to people in the community because malaria is a big thing in Nigeria and, and most of the car washes that are there um you know people were just struggling with it because when they start even the drainage system is not really built well so you have a car wash you wash and then the water sits there and and, 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 you know, create all this environmental uh, contamination and mosquitoes and all of that. So when we find out about the technology, we're really excited and we just jump on it. Wow, that's really powerful. And one of the things that I'm really taking away from this is like so often we 
go to another country. We see things that we're like, man, I wish I could help in this area. But we really don't know enough about the local economy oftentimes to really make an informed decision. And oftentimes we do one of a few things. We start an orphanage. We start a nonprofit. We start handing out food, which is all good and great. But at the end of the day, those things are not going to solve our world's problems. They're not going to take us out of poverty cycles. And what I love about this is like, not only are you born and raised there, but you also go there, do market research, ask around, you watch things, you try things, and what doesn't work, you grow from that. And like, who would have ever thought that a car wash would increase malaria? Like, I definitely wouldn't have. And here you are able to take a new form of technology over to a country that's never seen this and actually provide a solution to a problem and in addition, do something great for our world. This is called good business. It's not just like, hey guys, donate to something that you know does good in the world, but this sustains itself and it cares for the people in the local economy, which I absolutely love. That is so awesome. Talk to me a little bit about the difference between nonprofit and kind of social enterprise? Like what do you find to be, you know, some of the key things that are different and why they're beneficial and uniquely, like each of them are just uniquely different. Tell me about some of your observations about those differences. Well, I I, I think for me, the idea of nonprofit, I think nonprofit is great, right? They serve a purpose, the reason why for us, when we started our business, we said this is for profit because we want people to understand that this idea of, um, let me go back to the scripture, right? Because I'm a pastor, so <laughs> I love to, to go back to the Bible. But, you know, Jesus talked about the, the, the talents, right? So he gave talent to people and he said they are to multiply the talent. Uh, so when we went into Nigeria, you know, we could have gone with a non-profit mindset. You know what? Okay, let's just start this business. We don't want it's a non-profit. Whatever we have, we're going to put, you know. But we just thought, you know what? This is all about multiplication. How do we teach our people to to multiply what they have? Um, so this idea of... Um, this idea of empowering people to get out of the poverty mindset, to see possibilities and to go, you know what? If I have $100 today, I can make it 200 in the next year and I should celebrate that. I should be confident in that. I should, you know, I should push for profit. I want, you know, I want to make money. I want to make money, not for me to keep, but I want to make money so that I can invest or so that I can give back into our community. So when we went, we didn't go actually to say, okay, this is a non-profit. We just went to say, this is a full profit business and we're just going to create jobs. I don't know whether that answered your question, but Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really powerful to create something that is self-sustaining, especially in a developing country, because most oftentimes what I observe is that, I mean, like in 2008, when the U.S. had a recession, what is the first thing that people stop 
funding? What is the first thing that people cut out of their budget? I mean, it's not their Starbucks fund. I mean, people are addicted to that caffeine, right? It's going to be the things that they don't feel, the things that aren't tangible to them on a regular basis. So you have entire populations of people that are now going hungry because of a recession in another country that has nothing to do with them. Like this is the type of impact that every, like literally they say like butterfly effect, everything is affected by something else. And so the more that we can create sustained Sustainable, uh, sustainable ventures for people in developing countries. The the longer these people are able to um, to to benefit themselves and to continue the cycle going. It's not like a for profit with you know a a scissor cut right down the revenue stream, right? So a nonprofit is essentially like a for-profit, but the revenue stream comes from generosity, which is great. And I hope that our world gets to a place to where we're all generous and giving. But in any avenue that we can, when we are looking at giving back, when we are looking at helping the world, partnering with brothers and sisters all over the world to create a world that we envision where no one is suffering and no one is in poverty, we have to look at it with a mindset and a lens that says, how can I partner with them with the gifts they already have, with the intellect and the skill they already have, and asking them the questions that they already have the answers to and just support them in that process. I mean, I really love that. And I think it's huge, even in terms of like, I mean, this is totally separate, but like the idea of microfinance. Microfinance is huge because you are taking locals who have a talent and a skill set already, whether it's selling fish in the marketplace, whether it is making beaded jewelry, whether it is uh, handcrafting um, artisan products. They have a skill set. But the issue is oftentimes there's no capital funding to be able to help them get enough of their supplies and inventory to sell at larger quantities so that they're not just sustaining themselves on a daily basis. So that's huge. And it's the same with business. So let's talk about this. You've started a restaurant. You've started a steam car wash. Uh, Between the two, you have about 31 people employed. On average, like each of these people doesn't just represent themselves. It's not like in America. Oftentimes, these people are going home to five, six, seven, ten people in a household and they are supporting those family members. I mean, what does that make that? That's almost 200 people that are now getting food on a regular basis, that are now getting funding, that their kids are going to school because, you know, in America, we don't often understand this, but, you know, our kids go to school for free. There's public schooling. Public schooling in other countries costs money. You have to pay for uniforms or they can't go to school. Um, These types of things are expensive. Transportation, getting kids to and from school, all these things. And all of a sudden, within two businesses, you've been able to sustain the livelihood and the long-term sustainable impact for over 200 people. And that's just like, that's just at a minimal level. They might actually be going back to extended family beyond 10 people each, right? So talk to me a little bit about what a job for one person in a developing country, how that affects systematic change in a community and in their extended family. So now you're getting me excited because now we're getting to stories. Now we're getting to individual. We're going to, you know, talk about people, their experience and what they're going through. So when I was in Nigeria, my last trip to Nigeria, I met with one of our partners and I call them partners because we're working together, right? Uh, They're not working for me. Uh, We're working together. Uh, They're working with me. 
So I was uh, I met with uh, one of our one of our partners, and I was talking to him about his 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 experience, his life, and and all of that. And, and he he's an amazing guy with with two kids, right? And uh, and I asked him, I said, "Now tell me what what are you getting from this job? What you know? Tell me your story." And one of the things that he told me, he said, "Look, because of this company." Now I'm able to send my children to school. Two beautiful girls now can go to school, and he's confident that they will not miss a semester in school because of school fees, right? So now he's, and, and, and the good thing with our company, so if you go to Nigeria, a lot, some people have jobs, but some of these jobs, they pay them so little that they cannot even afford to send their children to school. I will give you an example. Um, the, the minimum wage is 18,000 naira. 18,000 naira is um, probably $50 or less. Um, and that is a month or a week or a day? That's a month. $50 a month is minimum wage in Nigeria. Wow. Yeah. So now we have this job that we 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 have we have people that are people that were receiving eighteen thousand a month in a job now they're receiving over a hundred thousand uh, naira and with a hundred thousand to one hundred and forty thousand naira you know you can you can feed your children you can send them to school so and, and not only that one of the things that we are doing which I know a lot of this is something that people did in missions before you know we'll send a, a group of people from overseas we go to a village in africa and say hey we want to put a borehole or we want to supply water these are good things but what you're telling the people when you do something like that is um you know you, you you're telling them you're here to to rescue them, right? So now what we do in our business is we tell these people we have a foundation as well, right? So at the end of the year, if you are the employee of the year, we say, okay, you you give us a project that you want to do for your people, right? So you're the employee of the year, give us a project that you want to do for your people and the company come alongside you and you go and you represent your people. You go to your village and you represent your village and you say, look, I am here to provide water for my people. Now, think about it. The village see their son or their daughter coming back from the city and saying, this is what I want to provide for my people. You know, they're proud of their son. They're proud of their daughter that their daughter or their son is back. But also think about this young lady or this young guy that goes back to his village because of his company to provide clean water. Think about the 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 his the the pride in, in a good sense, right? Uh this this is dignity. We restore dignity. We say, look, you can do this, you have it in you, you know. So all of these things, it's not just that this guy. And his wife and children with this job, they're able to sustain themselves. But the entire village is really impacted when their child, their son or their daughter goes back into the village to support them and help them because of the income or what the, the company is able to provide for them. 
Wow, that is so powerful. It just brings tears to my eyes, actually. Like I know even locally in America, so oftentimes you you listen to these surveys and things done about homeless people in America. And one of the things that people often say is like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't want your money as much as I want dignity. You know, when people won't even look homeless people in the eyes, they won't even uh, ask their name or have a conversation. And at the end of the day, people, you know, sitting on the side of the road, I lived in New York City, and there's just homeless people everywhere. And you get to this place where you don't even want to look because you feel like you have nothing to give, you have nothing to do, and you can't just look pain in the eyes that often. And dignity is so huge. Dignity is so huge. I mean, I think about Africa in general, the continent of Africa and the beauty there and the cultures and the food and the languages and the the textiles. And I mean, there's just so much richness there, the history, and uh, there's just so much beauty. And so oftentimes, the one thing that we remember when we think of the continent of Africa is pictures of little babies with big bellies and starving, right? Which isn't something that we're going to say doesn't exist, right? It, it exists. But at the same time, when you think of America, you don't see pictures of children in foster homes. You don't see pictures of homeless people everywhere. And it's because we choose to focus on things that make us feel like saviors. And at the end of the day, like we have the ability as human beings to provide dignity and to give dignity to our brothers and sisters, to partner with people and to say, we are one human race. We all are in this together. I have something to learn from you and you have something to learn from me. And most oftentimes, people know what their own village needs. They know what their own people need. And when we come in and we say, oh man, I make, you know, telescopes. And I think every Nigerian in EB would need to have a telescope. And people locally are like, we don't really need a telescope. We see the stars every single day on our own, right? But we like, we think that there's certain needs that might not really exist when there really are others. So, William, talk to us a little bit about if somebody wants to create change, they're passionate. Like, you know me, I'm passionate. I love the continent of Africa. And there's others who love other countries, other continents. They love anthropology. They love missions. They're passionate about people and cultures. What is it that somebody should do? Or what are some questions that somebody should ask? Or what are the first steps someone should take if they are feeling called to create a global difference, but yet they're not from the place that they feel passionate about? What are some of the beginning steps? What are some of the ways to do it right? Well, I would say, man, start with uh, research, right? Uh, read about the place, uh, but at the same time, build relationships and listen to the people. Listen to the people because what you think they need may not necessarily be what they actually need. So just spending time listening to the people, building relationship and, and don't, don't just rush into doing things, you know, take your time, listen to their needs and, um, uh, and, and, and create something with them, create something with them, bring them on board, sit with them, give them the opportunity to share. Um, for example, like when we started our business, one thing that we tell our partners, we say, look, we are here, we, we are here to dream with you, right? So we want them to dream big. You know, we tell our partners, like, you know, car wash, we say, look, 
This is yours. You own this. Dream about it. Whatever you want to make out of it. We are here to just support you and to do life with you. So I would say just spend a lot of time listening to people, building relationship. Really do as a student. Become a student of the what whatever area that you're passionate about or whatever city or whatever country you're passionate about become a student of that environment and learn and ask questions and learn and ask questions and then jump into action don't don't do too much of learning but also be prepared to jump into action when you have uh, the necessary information that you need that's awesome. One of the things that I love about your steam car wash is that you, and I think I think you have some some authority to do this because you are Nigerian. Um, I think it would be a little different from someone like me who's you know not from there. Um, but there are certain cultural norms that need to re- be respected, and then there's others that you, as a local, kind of push the boundaries on. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about not only so you're doing all this sustainable good for people economically, but you're also doing environmental good. In addition, like you allowed some people in positions that the culture might not have said had been ready to be open to. Right. Talk to everybody about how you did pick and choose what boundaries to push and how that potentially could impact not only the people you're employing, but also the local culture. Well, um, I think what we do in Nigeria is not just providing jobs. We want to provide good leadership. And, 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 and good leadership for us is, um, you know, I'll give you an example. There's this, this, this idea that Africans are, are late, right? So when, when I go to Nigeria, it's almost like, um, you know, you have an appointment with somebody and, and they show up late and, and all of that. And it's, it's, it's okay for, for people in that culture. Sometimes it's, it's, it's okay and, and people go with it. Um, I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that. And I, and I respect that to, to an extent. But also, I try to empower people to see that, look, you have to expand your perspective because if you're not going to do business with only people in Nigeria, right? So, you you know, in the same way, I am from here. Um, what I, I'm in the United States and I go to Nigeria to do business. So I have to find balance, you know. So, sometimes I just, I, I, boundaries like keeping time, right? So, I will, um, um, I will communicate to people. I'll say, look, this is so important. If we said this is a time that we're going to meet, this is a time that we're going to meet, and um, and, and let's just let's just. So sometimes I I, I push boundaries that you know I, I I don't know. I I get I get sometimes I think people, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's just it's just hard. But you you have to make sure that you hold people accountable. I remember when I first went to Africa, I was in Mozambique and somebody was like, Hey, Shiloh, we're going to go to the bush today. We're going to, or no, we're going to meet at the bush at three. And I was at the bush till like 8 PM and nobody showed up. (laughs) And I was like, so mad. I'm so American. I'm like, so I'm like beyond American task driven. And I was mad and I felt frustrated. I felt like I wasn't valued. I felt all this. And then the person shows up at like 8 PM and they're happy. And I'm like, what? 
how do they even like, you know, how can they even have the guts to show up like this, you know? And what I learned is that when you are creating a space and when you're working with people, you have to receive their culture, even if you don't fully, you know, um, understand all of the different things, right? So like in African cultures, they stop for people and people are more important than a deadline. People are more important than a start time, a work start time, but the job still gets done. And if you come in with a mentality of your own culture that contradicts the culture you're coming into, you definitely are going to have some problems implementing things because you're not learning how to be like the people with the people and value and respect the traditions that people have locally. That's so powerful. Talk to me about how you have employed women at your car wash. This is not normal, right? No. So why is this not normal? And what were you able to do just to be a legit good business and be responsible with what you've been given? Yeah. So one of the things that we actually were very intentional about is... um, is uh, empowering women because we uh, we are in a culture where there there are jobs that people believe men can do only men can do and there are jobs that you know women cannot do you know so we're very intentional about looking into some of these um, cultural um, uh, what do you call it norms. norms right so when we went there we uh, it's funny because we in, we interview. Um, Three guys. We we had three guys to interview for for this position, and two 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 girls. And uh, one of the guys didn't show up for for the interview, and the girl showed up. And we started talking, and we asked her, um, you know, we told her the nature of the business and what you know. And she looked at us and she said, "Yeah, I can do it." And I turned and I look at my um, my uh, CEO, uh, and I said to him, "I said, look." I think this would be really exciting to have a woman in the entire city of Abuja, you know, drive through all the car wash. You never see a woman in the car wash business. And I was just super excited. I was just so excited that we were able to hire two women to work in our car wash. And, um, and, and, uh, you, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's so exciting. I go to the office and I see these two beautiful young women, passionate and excited about being in this industry that is predominantly, completely men. And for us, it's just a culture shift. And we're just excited to see how many more we can hire and um, and just to see them actually starting their car wash in the near future, you know, starting their steam car wash in the near future where a woman not only worked in a steam car wash business, now she owned her own. It's so cool because there are so many ways to take everyday practical businesses that are generating revenue and to create powerful systemic change. Now, little girls and other women, young women are going to see possibilities like they've never seen before. 
that is so exciting. And actually, I'm thinking about your uncle. You know, my husband's uncle has this factory and he decided that he could create hundreds of jobs for widows because oftentimes when a woman loses her husband, she's pretty much without everything. She loses her land. She loses a lot of different things, respect in the community. And our uncle said, you know what, I'm going to take my entire, like, uh, he opened up a whole new wing of his uh, factory to be able to create new products. And he said, I'm only hiring widows. And it was so powerful because he is, he's been doing great. He's been a successful businessman for years and years. And for him to be able to stop and really think about how can I take my company and live in a state of corporate social responsibility literally has created new life in him. You literally can like see it. He's so excited. He gets so excited about the stories of these women and how his wife has been able to interview them and the the lives and the children that have been changed. And it was all just because of a shift of mindset that I can take what I'm already doing and I can make space for people that society doesn't all already make space for. And so that's been so beautiful. I mean, there's so many powerful things, so many takeaways from this. William, tell me just a minute, like, what are some of your favorite resources or maybe it's advice? Maybe you want to leave us with some advice for somebody who is thinking like, man, I really would like to make a social impact. Maybe you want to tell them about a book or a quote you like. What is one thing that you would leave someone with who really wants to create um, global change? So um, I would say, number one, commitment is key. Commitment is key because it's going to be a long journey. Um, You have to be committed to saying, look, I'm going to engage this. I'm not going to rush it because it's going to take you uh, learning the culture, understanding the people, knowing the needs, and actually becoming part of that community. Uh, so commitment is the first thing that I will say, man, just just be committed. Number two, I will say the cost. You know, consider the cost because it's going to cost you your comfort as well. Uh, so I would just, this for me, these are just the two key things that I was able to overcome. Um, knowing that if I engage in this, I'm 100% in and I'm committed to learning everything I can, building relationships um, as much as possible and and engaging the culture um, and, 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 and getting just to know the needs and then willing to count the cost of what it would take to make it happen. Wow, that's so powerful. I think um, one of the biggest things I'm hearing you say is really just humility too. It's this ability to, when you're counting the cost, you're knowing that like, hey, I'm showing up into a place and space where I'm not always knowing what's right here and to be humble and to listen and and really the most beautiful things are created out of partnership and so I love that um, William it's been so good to have you I'm so glad you've been here with us I know everybody's gonna beg for you to be here more so we'll have you on sometime and we'll pick apart other concepts and things but it has been so fun to have you here babe and um, and I can't wait to hear more updates about what is happening in Nigeria I know you've, you're, you have several more trips planned um, 
for the next few months. And uh, we are excited to learn more from you. So thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing with us your expertise and your vision and how things are going in Nigeria. What a pleasure. So good to be here. I've been listening to all the podcasts and now I'm here. So thank you so much for giving me this wonderful opportunity to share my dream and my passion. you guys you'd love it today i hope you had fun as much as i did and i will definitely be having him back again there is so much wisdom there and i learned so much and i know you guys did too if you loved today's podcast episode make sure to write a review make sure to give some stars how about five hey hey and i would love to hear from you write me at hello at practicegoodwithshiloh.com. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you uh, have different ideas or things you'd like me to cover on this podcast, I would absolutely love to hear them. We can also swap all kinds of ideas. And make sure to go to www.practicegoodwithshiloh.com and you can get our free, 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 free ultimate change maker master resource list. And this has all of my favorite books and resources and technology and all the other everythings that you can think of in order to create a powerful social impact in the world. That is my gift to you. I love you guys. It's been so much fun. Cannot wait to talk to you next week.